What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 14 of Through the Veil. I'm your host, Alex Nelson, and on today's episode, we have my good friend Brooklyn Willerth talking about all things menstrual cycles, self-pleasure, masturbation, sexuality, and specifically how to understand both women's sexuality and some parts of men's sexuality. This is a great episode. I always find it interesting to dig into some of these topics that are a little bit more taboo and people don't really talk about in their day-to-day life. So I hope you learn something interesting in this one, and I hope you get a lot of value out of it. If you do, I'd super appreciate it if you share this out with a friend. Give us a five-star rating on your podcast player of choice, and as always, hit that subscribe button so you can know every time a new podcast comes out. And you can also share this out on Instagram if you tag me at Alexander Diesel, then I will make sure to share your story out and you can link up with me, th- with me that way as well. So without any further ado, on to the podcast. Beautiful. Well, Brooklyn, welcome to the podcast. Um, we know each other through the Fit for Service Mastermind that we were in together last year in 2019. Um, if you can just give a quick intro of yourself to the audience and let everyone know kind of who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So, of course, my name is Brooklyn. Uh, I do a variety of things. Of course, I have like a normal day job type thing, but I, on the side, and what I'm looking to do and what I'm passionate about is speaking, coaching, and writing on sexual healing, uh, menstrual cycles, and primarily just working with women to help heal the divine feminine collective. Beautiful. But uh, it's a funny, <laughs> it's a funny sort of synchronicity, and I find it. Uh, interesting my girlfriend Morgan actually pointed this out to me but she's like you know because I told her this podcast was coming up and she's like you know the first podcast you ever did was kind of around some of these topics I'm like yeah it was that's a good point that's so cool um I just think it's it's important to get out there because it's it's twofold it's a this is useful information for women but b I think it's useful stuff to dig into for men as well because it helps us to get a better understanding of women um so it's not such like a foreign creature, like, well, what's going on over there? Your body's doing stuff. I don't understand. It's like, oh, okay, I get some of it now and it makes some sense. So yeah, um, that was one thing for me, because like I would love to be able to help both men and women through this journey. But I, I realized that by teaching a lot more things to women, then they can educate the men in their life, their sons, their daughters, their families, and like heal that trauma too. So it was like a nice recognition that doesn't necessarily need to just be towards women because it'll uh, kind of flow into everyone else throughout that that journey beautiful yeah we uh we'd connected at a retreat that i co-hosted up in toronto and you led a beautiful workshop and i thought what was really really powerful is when we had we split off into the men and the women's group um And just within the men's container, I'm sure the women's container was similar, but within the men's container, it really gave us permission just with like a couple of prompts you gave to really kind of open up and be a little more honest and vulnerable um, about our sexuality and about our, the things that we normally won't talk about with each other, I think, especially as guys, Um, but women, I'm sure too, experience the same thing where they won't talk about some things. And it was just really interesting to watch kind of the first few people sort of like tentatively like well yeah i'm kind of into this and like even the languaging they're like they're like prefacing like uh well i thought about one time that it might be interesting to possibly try yeah it's like a taboo thing and it comes up in every retreat i've done where in the beginning people are kind of like um maybe i thought about like this a little bit and then all of a sudden like it gets it just opens this container of safety where you're like it's okay for us to talk about like things that are kind of taboo or things that, that or might be perceived as weird or different. And as soon as that gets open and expressed, it's such a beautiful container and space to be in because everyone has weird things they're into. Everyone likes to try stuff that would be a little bit taboo or that would be frowned upon or shamed in whatever culture. So it's, it's beautiful to see when that can be expressed and just like shared with everyone. Yeah, I definitely think so. And it's such a, it's still undiscussed topic on so many levels. Um, still in our culture like it's funny to see that people at least in my experience with people I talk to in my day-to-day life they're a lot more comfortable talking about psychedelics or they're a lot more comfortable talking about like politics or just like some of these taboo subjects or as they have been 
but like sex is still one that just people don't bring up ever um so i guess i'm just curious to hear your take on that and just how what are some easy tools to start to bring in sex to the conversation and to bring in this taboo subject in an easy way to actually get people to like listen and start to talk about their experiences i found surprisingly when it gets brought up people are quite eager to talk about it like there's a lot of space where as soon as you start that conversation like people have things to say people have stuff to share uh as an example a few weeks ago i was in miami with some people that are friends of a friend and like i wasn't really in their circle and it had gotten kind of brought up what I do and what I talk about. And like, I was like, I wrote a book on like sexual healing. So uh, it got brought up. And then it was interesting because all of a sudden these women who are primarily older than me had started talking about like, oh, we had no idea. And like, yeah, we and then, like, it just brought up this conversation because they just needed the space to be like, it's okay. And you have permission to talk about something that maybe you don't normally talk about in your circles or with your friends or whatever the case may be. I think it's just that like vulnerability and honesty as to what you're into and then accepting that sometimes people might find that's a little bit weird or might be out of their comfort zone but then it starts the conversation to be like hey maybe it's okay to bring that up like with my friends or just to kind of open that door for them yeah i think as we as with anything but especially with this like if you if you hold the space to be vulnerable first people just like blossom open it's like oh there's no pressure now like alex alex said the thing that might be weird first and now i don't have to worry about (laughs) it being weird because he already went there um people are craving vulnerability like everyone wants to be in that space where they can feel vulnerable and have someone share something and like when we get to that level like in any sort like sort of conversation doesn't need to be like the sex conversation talking about periods it can be just anywhere where someone gets vulnerable and then everyone just feels like oh this is safe this is okay yeah i think most people they assume it's not okay to talk about (laughs) Yeah, everyone's like inside like secretly fighting their own terrible battle and I think with with guys a lot what I've noticed in having some of these conversations is it's insecurity is the battle that's being fought on the inside I'm sure with women that is the case too but with guys it's just like we have such a need to hold on to this masculine mask that we have on of like yeah no I always every time I have sex it's always the best um yeah. Yeah, she comes like 30 to 40 times and then she passes out. Yeah, whatever. Always tell no, me I was the best lover yeah, ever. Exactly. <laughs> no big deal. And like when you start to open up in vulnerability, like, hey, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, couldn't get it up. And then yeah. your other guy friend's like, oh, yesterday. Dude, fuck yeah. I see. Yeah. Oh, it's not just me. It, it's that human bonding experience of like, oh, wait these issues I've created in my head that I thought were only me are super not only me and everyone experiences them. There's a big thing in like having this patriarchal society that we're still in that puts so that men can never have sexual issues and neither can women, but everyone does and everyone just wants to have more sex. And it's like, if we talked about that, we can heal a lot of those issues and bring it up and discuss it and then make it not such a difficult conversation to have, like even in just like your partnership itself. What do you think are some of the biggest <clears throat> issues that you see coming up, maybe for women first and then for men as well, but primarily for women that you notice? Just with sex or with like bringing up the conversations in relationship? I would say with sex. Um, I think that there's a lot of obligation. So that was one of the big things, like one of the big hurdles that I went through because I felt like sex was to please the person that I went, like to please my partner. It wasn't ever for me to just get pleasure out of sex. It was like, oh, he wants this, therefore I am obligated to be with him or because we're dating, therefore he has full rights to my body and it's whatever he wants to do. And so there was a big like obligation bias and thing that I just had in the beginning. Um, I think there's all conversations about like lack of lubrication like naturally women can get dry and it's like this weird space where you're like oh um, I'm not into this but like I am and it's not working for me and yeah I think there's also a lot of body image issues like women have a lot of things that I've heard come up are like just talking about like size and shape and like vaginas look different every vagina looks different they're beautiful but there's this feeling that we need to look perfect or be a certain way or smell a certain way or have no hair or all those things that come up and it's a lot of 
a lot of things that cause insecurities, of course, that are going to make it difficult when you're having sex or being intimate with a partner. And then those come in between the connection that you can create because you're not thinking about like, wow, this is fantastic. You're like, mm. is that, is this making a weird noise? Like, am I doing it? Like, can you hear me? Am I too loud, too quiet? Like there's so many of those things that come up. So your mind isn't actually on just the act itself. It's on all of these other factors. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to hear that from your perspective. Cause I think, the experience I've had as a man is like you'll be with a partner and as a guy like we're we're ter- like we don't notice shit really <clears throat> yeah <laughs> not in the same way at least that I think women notice their own body but it's almost like if you're like oh my god my legs are hairy right now like oh I forgot to shave before my date you're yeah. noticing it more and I've had this experience with a partner where like I'm sleeping with them but they're almost like they're recoiling to a certain point of touch like oh don't touch my leg and that's what causes me to then notice so it's sort of this like self-defeating cycle where like I wouldn't have given a fuck if they just rocked it nor just like boom here I fucking am but it's the same thing where we're in our own head and we're like oh shit that's no that's the same when it comes to like period sex like a lot of women are like totally cool with it but they have this fear that a man is going to be uh, odd or like not want to do it or think it's gross and then you get to this point like if you do it or don't whatever that's not a big deal but then they're like oh but I'm but I'm on my period and it's like so what like there's fluids like just so that's one thing that comes up and it was interesting because when it comes to women they did a study and uh if there's if men and women are having sex if it's like a heterosexual couple having sex in front of a mirror the man always watches the woman and the woman also always watches the woman because they are they're focusing on what's happening with their body more than they're focusing on like what their partner looks like so it's I thought that was really interesting so I was like uh yeah that's exactly what happened (laughs) (laughs) so what do you think are some of the best ways to like get out of that paradigm or to get out of your own head and to build that sort of body and self-confidence so I when I first started like my journey into this whole like sexual liberation healing whatever uh it primarily came from like a lot of physical practices so I (laughs) took a lot of time where I was looking at myself in a mirror I would actually like pleasure myself while looking at it in a mirror just like what does this look like and how does that feel and like if I move this and like getting comfortable like really really in-depth and comfortable with my body um the practices where you can like taste what your fluids taste like taste what your menstrual blood tastes like uh, and then just do different practices where you're moving your hips and you're breathing or you're getting physically into your body through exercise or motion or just any sort of like connect with this on a like a meat suit type level like I'm just in this not in not so much in the head and then I found when I started to do a lot of those practices I was like shit changes I'm just loving all of it however it is and it took a really long time. Like it wasn't an easy practice and I'm still doing it. And I still am like, Oh, this is weird. I feel super weird. I don't want to, I'm not going to, and then it just, it kind of flows and it comes with like learning what your body and learning what you want and ultimately dating yourself mm. in a way that you just start to fall in love. And you're like, shit, this is fantastic. Like my breasts are great. Right? Right. I'm just getting involved with it. So I love that too. And I love, <clears throat> I love the idea that it's, it's a practice. Cause I think that's, something I've noticed with my own body um, that as I have these self-care and self-love habits that I build over time, my self-image goes up almost regardless of what my body looks like. Like I can be in objectively less good shape than I've been at other points in my life and still be like killing it, (laughs) nailing it. But it's, it's this idea that it's not just like flip a switch like oh you're going to go to one self-care workshop and you're going to feel perfect it's like no what are you doing day in day out that makes you pattern your brain for self-love because Absolutely. our society patterns us against that that's how you get marketed to <laughs> everything sucks please change it mm-hmm. yeah it was like a lot of the times I found that in the beginning I was like because I'm doing all these things all of a sudden I should love my body and it should be great and it wasn't that case it was a lot of like daily okay well now I'm just gonna take baths and I'm just gonna just like rub my whole body and get myself on that level and yeah it's interesting to think that like throughout the last year probably when I was like the deepest in this journey that I've ever been like my body has changed in a lot of ways especially like when it comes through my menstrual cycle like my body will significantly change through like floating or through my breasts or through all of those like things that I notice like probably not super noticeable to other people but I noticed at least in the last couple cycles I was like everything about it's great but there wasn't a point where I was like I hate this like what am I doing with my body and it's because I got I'm getting to that point where 
like it's kind of okay with the changes and I'm like ebbing and flowing with how my body does and it's incredible yeah and it's a cool it's a cool perspective because it is it is truly incredible like when you actually look at it like oh how bad is it badass is it that my body has this much change within like a single month and yet I continue to exist as a creature (laughs) like yeah (laughs) you know when I started uh when I really started like honoring my period I went like full scale into it because I recognized there was a point on my little sexual journey where I recognized that I had a lot of shame still around my menstrual cycle. Like I was so great with all these things and I had this like one period of every month where I hated my body. And I was like, oh, this is not so good because like you can't do a lot of like uh, certain like sexual practices. If you're like doing internal work, you shouldn't do them during uh, your cycle. And so during that period, I would just like, nope, not touching my body, not doing anything. And I recognized that that was such a place that I needed to, to shift. And all of a sudden I was like, fine, I'm going to do a ceremony with my blood and I'm going to honor this in such a beautiful way. And it really just shifted that perception of it because I was like, okay, I need to like fall in love with this part too. It can't just be selective towards the parts that are easy to love. Yeah, especially, I think especially, I would imagine or empathize that something (laughs) that women struggle with is just as men were so uneducated about the menstrual cycle that we place a lot of like grossness onto it it's like you're on your period i'm not interested and like that's a lot of pressure to be dealing with from a very young age like your first boyfriend has no idea what's going on and is grossed out by a part of your body during a time that's like deep patterning to like dig up and go like okay what the fuck's going on there let's get rid of that it's interesting because it's mostly like our culture and our society, but in other cultures and a lot of ancient, like the Jewish cultures, they would actually keep women away and segregated during their menstrual cycle because they thought that they were dirty and contaminated mm. and couldn't actually be with other people. And so like even in some cultures that still happens now, but for us, it's mostly just like, oh, it's gross and we don't talk about it. Or like when you see the commercials and all like the, the liquid is this mm. nice, beautiful blue liquid, you're like, oh, honey, no. <laughs> like scented tampons and things to to change how it smells and what it's like and making sure that women are being able to like ride motorbikes and do flips during their period you know (laughs) all the things we do all the time right you know day-to-day basis it's like (laughs) one one topic i found really interesting when i was talking about it with someone recently is just the dynamics of how a woman's energy shifts throughout their cycle and how different times are good for different things and are maybe better for different activities where maybe a certain period is more active and a certain period is more inward focused. And just talk a little bit about that. Of course. So throughout the cycle, uh, standard menstrual cycle on average is about 28 and a half days. And throughout that, we go kind of through like the cycles of the seasons. So we have a fall, a spring, winter, and we go through absolutely everything. And through that, it splits our cycle into being a masculine phase and a feminine phase. Both of those, of course, have benefits. They have like foods you should and shouldn't eat. They have habits that you should and shouldn't do or just to kind of optimize because lots of times when we ignore our natural cues, then we have mood swings then we have really aggressive PMS. That's when you get like the bitchy girlfriend during that week before her period um, because typically we're ignoring those signals. So the actual beginning of your cycle uh, is the beginning when you're actually bleeding. So that's the first one to five to seven days, depending on the woman. And that's the winter phase. So winter phase is the most internal. That is when you're the most feminine. It's time for self-care, reflection, asking for space, like actually just generally being with yourself. Uh, great time to take baths. Great time to just like be inward, reflect, read, and connect with your body. So it can be like doing light movements, doing yoga, doing things that put you really like in your own space. Um, once you come out of that, because you've basically cleansed your entire body, you're totally reborn, totally brand new. And so when we get into our spring phase, uh, all our hormones begin to come back. So ultimately preparing us for having a baby. So it gets us excited, it gets us playful. And we get into a phase where we have a lot of energy. So it's great to start new projects, great to uh, try workout classes, try, great to try new habits, because you have that energy to put up with some, like, some of the shit that's gonna come up when you get things started. Um, once you get through that stage and you get close to ovulation, then you're in the summer phase. So again, super excited, super playful, 
very masculine phase, lots of hormones, and typically women's sex drive is higher, of course, because we're ready to ovulate. Our bodies are wanting us to make a baby. And then when we come out of that phase, then we come into the fall phase. So eventually our hormones dip because our body recognizes there's no baby to take care of. And so when we get into the fall phase, we fall back into that uh, that feminine phase. And we begin, of course, to want to close down things, take care of, make sure that we're ready and prepared for our bodies to go back into that space of cleansing. And then again, it just starts all over. Mm. I like that that way of thinking about it too as the four seasons because it's an easy it's easy to understand and it's easy to remember um absolutely i think it's just a useful thing to know i mean obviously men have different Mm -hmm. cycles of their testosterone and all of their hormones as well um and understanding that has been immensely helpful for me because it even just on a giving myself love and understanding level it allows me to go oh, it's okay if I'm feeling a little bit like I just want to go inward today. Like I don't need to be go, go, go at all times. And understanding some of the biology behind it helps me to go, oh, it's not like I suck uniquely. Like I'm not like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. It's, oh, my body does this. This is a thing and I don't need to feel bad about it. I can just go inward, allow that to happen and there'll be different phases where I can burst forth. Absolutely. And there's this idea that we need to be on all the time and have to be fully excited and fully energetic and just perfect no matter what. And when you get that permission to recognize that it's okay, there are going to be times where physically your body isn't there. And that was probably one of the biggest things for me. And I think it's, it's cautious to not look at it as like, oh, because I'm in this phase, like I shouldn't do anything like hard. It's more like, okay, I actually feel really sad today and that's okay. And I can honor it. Versus like, I don't want to be sad. I'm not dealing with this. I have to work, whatever. Like recognizing, hey, maybe I need some space. Maybe I need to ask the one to, to be a little more gentle with me. Like if I, have a, if I have a partner that I'm connecting with, be like, you know what? Maybe I just need to be a little bit like away from this so I can be with myself and so I can actually sit with whatever's coming up versus pushing through it just to be like, oh, I have this pretty face on and I'm good and it's fine and I'm not worried about my feelings. Yeah. <clears throat> shoving in the emotion down like that always causes the (laughs) inevitable fucking crash or the blow up or whatever it is that is just it's bad for everyone involved like it's more pain on yourself because the versus just acknowledging at the first sign like i'm feeling a little sad i'm feeling a little down it's a lot worse to like shove that down and then lash out at someone and then you're angry sad guilty like you're 10 other emotions that you didn't have to feel you could have just been sad for a little bit that would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing with like the the cycles for me is I do have like a very wide range of emotions just naturally I'm very an emotional person I have a lot of feelings but when it comes to my cycle like there's a period where I'm actually like unreasonably sad to the point where I'm like I could cry for three full days for no reason and that's okay and I definitely recognize that now I'm a little bit more conscious of it. I'm a little bit more aware. It's not like I just have a day randomly out of the blue where I'm like, everything sucks. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's probably going to come and it's okay. And I can ease into that. And especially with people that I've connected with, like my partners that I'm with or with uh, like friends or family, I can be like, hey, like I'm kind of feeling like this is something that's going to happen. And when you have those open conversations, people are really, they're really nice to give you space. So they can be like, hey, if you're going through it, like take some time. Like, we don't need to, to do whatever. I think having that self-understanding too gives you the confidence to ask for that space because you actually, the more you understand yourself, the more you feel confident, like setting a hard boundary, like, yeah, boom, I know I'm going to feel sad versus feeling unreasonable. Like I'm sad about nothing. It's like, well, not exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It may be like objectively not much out in the world that's causing you sadness, but your biology is causing you sadness and that's not nothing. But if you don't understand that, you feel like, I can't ask for space because I don't know what's wrong. Yeah, that's true. I think definitely the the self-awareness and being able to communicate what's going on with me, not even just for like the, the menstrual cycle side of things, but just in every aspect of my life has been mm-hmm. so incredible. Like I'm learning to, I find that last times with having lots of emotions, I also have, I wouldn't say like different personalities, definitely get into different like vibes, right? You get into an emotion, you get into a to a certain type of feeling. And I've found that being able to identify what those are and communicate those with everyone that I'm connecting with makes it easier for me. And I feel like I can be however I need to be and show up however I need to show up. And I have no judgment or guilt or shame around what that what that is. Absolutely. So you're relatively young and 
you've achieved a level of self-awareness at this point. Obviously, it's a path we continue on. But <laughs> what are what are some of the hurdles you cleared early on that helped you to put on this path and get you pointed in this direction of like, let me figure shit out about myself? So my parents were really great. Like they were very self-aware. They were into a lot of like the woo-woo type things and nice foods and learning about like angel cards and different things. So I always had that growing up and um, my parents and split up when I was 13 or 14. And then that was at the same, the same period where I was being bullied really aggressively in high school. And then it kind of escalated to the point where um, prior to graduation, I actually had tried to kill myself. I had gotten to the point of intense depression where I couldn't get out of bed and I was just in this low point where I had nothing to live for I didn't care and I actually went to a counselor at one point who made a comment and it was um it was uh if you were to kill yourself think about who would have to find your body Hmm. and that moment hit and I was like oh fuck it would be my mom Hmm. And the thought of the, my, my, my mom finding my body was such a horrific feeling that I was like, Fuck, I got to figure like something out. And so at that point, I ended up just, uh, I graduated high school early. So I pushed all my classes and finished everything as quickly as I could so that I could leave. And uh, I ended up moving to a different city. And I was like, well, I'm on my own. I have so much anxiety that I can't even like make phone calls to like book meal. Like I could like book like restaurants or call for food. Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. do anything. I was like, we're just going to figure it out. So it was a lot of nights where like I would just be crying at the house. Like I couldn't call to um, like book an internet like connection at my house because I was afraid to make phone calls and I couldn't do it online. So I didn't have internet for a year because I just had so much anxiety around such a simple thing. And like, I couldn't go out alone. Like it was, and I lived in a city by myself. So I was like, mm. okay, well, we're just going to do it. And like, I was like, Kate, okay, well, I want to go to the gym. So I've never been to the gym. Like, how do I figure that out? And I just started putting myself in these positions and situations that I just got super uncomfortable. And I had the opportunity then a few years later to um, pack up all my stuff and move someone across the country to Vancouver. I'm from Canada. <laughs> Moved to Vancouver where... Um, I started this job that would like push me completely out of my comfort zone. Uh, I was doing door to door sales, but I still do part time now. And it was just like such a difficult thing to do. Like door to door sales is easily one of the hardest jobs I've ever done because you're just like putting yourself in front of rejection all the time. Not and stop. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, and it's I've commission. done it as well. Like, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's it's just a ridiculous job. And so. Um, I recognized that through that I was putting myself in all these places where I was getting like connecting with people and like finding compassion and learning a lot of stuff about myself and then uh, the company's great they really inspired me to start reading like a lot of personal development books and get involved and as I started doing that I was like I have things to share with people like I have stories to share I can help I can coach I can teach and then I like I just progressively got like more and more and more and it was like I would find things that just aligned me in so many different ways and then I felt better and then I could connect in a deeper level and then I felt more awareness and then I could I just kept growing to the point where like I think there was just all these challenges that got placed in front of me and they all seemed really difficult like I just went through a breakup that was like pretty aggressive uh, a couple months ago and like it felt like it crushed me and I was like great I'm just gonna figure out how to do this and how to like mm-hmm. figure out myself again and all those things that kind of slapped me in the face. Now, of course, when I look back, they, they're fabulous and they're beautiful and they changed me in such wonderful ways. But I know definitely in the situation, I didn't feel that same way. But as they come up now and I have a higher awareness around how to handle my emotions and how to handle things that come up, I, it just makes it easier every time that they do. Yeah, it's, it's really, <clears throat> there's a lot of parallels between your story and my story. Also attempted suicide when I was young got through that had a period of just like fucking scared to go and talk to a bank teller like yeah. oh no i have to deposit my money but i have to talk to someone <laughs> just like oh this is terrible i think what's interesting that happens let me touch on two things what's interesting that happens is you you learn that you can improve a skill and you've learned not only that you can improve a skill, but you've learned that you can improve any skill. Then you start to go, oh, okay, well, if I can get good at that and I can take the leap of faith and move into a new city and make the phone call to get my internet set up finally, like, oh shit, what else can I do and improve at? And that's sort of a mindset that like when that, when that 
first domino tips, then they just keep falling. So you're like, okay, even if this sucks right now, I know I could probably get better at it and I know something could change. And then it was interesting what you said that your counselor brought up to you just that thought of like who would find your body. Cause I, with my experience of depression and um, subsequent attempt was, was that it's a really, it's a really selfish place to be. And it's selfish in the fact that you are only thinking about yourself. You think about, I'm so miserable. Things are terrible for me. I can't believe these other people would do this stuff to me. I'm worthless. I don't deserve to be here. What your counselor said to you snaps you right out of that. It's like, hey, think about someone else for a second. And you're like, oh, shit. But it's a, it's a tactically useful piece of advice that I've heard a couple separate times now that if you're feeling really down on yourself to go to do something nice for someone else and that just like snaps yeah. you out you realize like oh, okay it's not just me out here like there's other people in the world <laughs> i'm not having yeah. a uniquely bad experience no definitely and when she said that like it was probably one of the most impactful things that like any counselor any person at that time in my life has said because a lot of it same thing it was like i was so focused on me that no matter what they bring up in these sessions no matter what we try to talk about i was like nothing matters i hate everything like there was no there was no other hope when, when all of a sudden i was like oh shit like my mom finding my body i was like mm. that would be like it would just crush her whole world in every single aspect and i found that throughout my journey since then there's a lot of places where i recognized that i was doing things for other people and it it motivated me right when i was like when all of a sudden there was a, a guy that I liked that I wanted to get involved with him, I was like, how do I be a better partner so that I can be with him? And it's interesting because just recently I've recognized that I've stopped doing those things for other people now. Like not necessarily that I don't do stuff to connect with others, but I've stopped growing for the point, like the point of trying to please other people. Now it's transitioned from like, I needed them in order to feel motivated enough to feel worthy of change. And now I'm like, yeah, I've gotten past that point. Like I can still do stuff just because I know that I need to grow. And I can motivate myself through doing it through me now instead of having to have that, that need to be doing it for someone else. Because I found that sometimes that was unhealthy. And then if I'm not with that person or they're not in my life, I'm like, oh, wow, I just based my whole existence on this person and growing for them. So it's, it's interesting how that shifted for me, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's like you can't construct your reality based off of someone else's opinion of you because that is subject to change. And Absolutely. If it does change, then your whole reality falls apart. And it's like, that's not a good way to do things. It's not sustainable and it's not a good foundation to build on. Um, I found that for myself, similar to you, that I've just, I've gone through this journey of like, okay, I didn't like myself. Then liked myself based off of other people liking me. So like, cool, that's better-ish. <laughs> then like, other people didn't like me for a little bit. I'm like, fuck. Like, <laughs> I have I no suck. idea how to like myself. <laughs> right. It's like now, okay, now I can work on liking myself for myself and not for the the validation seeking piece of it. And of course that's like a I'm not enlightened on that point yet. That is a constant improvement oh, yeah. area. <laughs> no, I still find that there's I, I catch myself needing to to question like what am I doing this for or who am I doing this for? Because even like within the last couple of weeks, like things will come up and I recognize like I say something or I'll do something and I'm like, hmm, what's the motive behind that? I was like, am I trying to get validation from this person or do I genuinely feel like that was needed to be expressed or needed to be shared? And it's interesting when I connect with new people because it's like, oh, okay, what's coming up and why is that? Like, where does that stem from? And what vulnerability or insecurity is that masking or hiding? And there's a lot of reflection in it, but I find that it's, it's super it, like it's super exciting to to connect with and to see in myself where that comes from it is and it's it's funny to notice the i've noticed this a lot lately as some of my <laughs> some of my work with plant medicines has progressed that i've had to start to be more respectful with my own time because i get a lot of incoming of people just wanting to like hey let's go grab coffee and sit down i want to talk to you about etc etc cetera, et cetera. and it's always i'm like okay well i really want to help and then it's like okay but to be maximally effective i can't spend all day every day on coffee dates essentially like <laughs> 
So where's that line? And the more incoming, it's like, okay, well, I need to really like draw a parameter here. Like, hey, are you actually interested in this? Or are you just like, you have a list of questions you want to answer it and then you're off and gone forever. It's been, it's been funny to draw those boundaries for myself because it's so uncomfortable at first, like telling someone oh, no. Yeah. Like, hey, sorry, I don't have time. I can talk to you in like a month or I can do like a 10 minute call if you need it. But no, I can't meet for coffee. It's at first it's so uncomfortable, but eventually it starts to shift into that abundance mentality of like, okay, just because I tell one person no doesn't mean that it's all going to disappear overnight. And boundaries and saying no are just a form of like heightened self-love because then you can actually say, you know what, this is not what I need or like express that for yourself. Like, of course it's uncomfortable. And like all those baby steps and things along the way, like the first time you do anything is going to feel like a little bit weird because it goes completely against everything that you've done your entire life. But then also when you do it, you're like, oh, wow, that felt really great to respect what I need and respect my face or respect the time and whatever the case may be. And it's so impactful and it makes it easier. So the next time you're like, hey, I love you. You're great. Let's do this. But I need this time or please work around my schedule or please ensure that we can do this in a way that helps both of us. Yeah, I think you draw your boundaries and especially with people you've already known for a long time. Like it's easy with people you're just meeting because you can draw your boundary based off of where you are now. But with people you've known for a long time, it's like all of a sudden you're redrawing the edge of your boundary and all of a sudden your circle overlaps with their circle and they're pissed off. Like, wait, I have to adjust my boundary? No. It's like, yeah, sorry. Hit some egos for sure. Mm. It's, It's interesting. I found that with like with old colleagues where all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I'm not cool with this anymore. And then it makes this this discomfort between them because all of a sudden it challenges or it mirrors something in them that mm. they aren't comfortable with. Or maybe they can't put that same boundary. And then it's like, oh, well, wow, whoa. And they'll have they'll be triggered by it because it, it points out an insecurity in the place where they can't have that same level of self-respect or self-love to put those boundaries with me or with other people in their lives. It's a- it's a uh often the boundaries are one of two things i've noticed it's either a it's like a power game like oh i'm gonna like fucking not just talk shit to you because i think that's like kind of funny once in a while but like put you down in such a way that it's clear that you're below me and you're you're uh subordinate to me that's one side of it and the other side of it is just a a what you're saying a lack of self-awareness or a lack of wanting to work on their own boundaries and you setting your boundaries holds a light up to the fact that like they're not doing that and that's scary for people because i'm like fuck if brooklyn's doing it i could do it but i'm not so you know what no fuck you (laughs) i find when that light gets shone in a lot of people's lights in a lot of people's lives it can be a difficult thing and like it comes up with um, like when you're growing and you're not with a partner that's not doing it or when you have friends or family or that you're changing and they don't and all of a sudden you're like hey here's this thing that now there's a light on it and you have to deal with it too mm-hmm. like I find with I, I with the job that I work for typically we have company housing and I'll be living with several other women and a lot of things that come up is when I'm in a place where I'm super driven or super focused and I'm like up in the morning for the gym and like everything's done before 9 a.m. Like I can, I can find that can trigger or shine a light and for a lot of those women where they're like, I don't want to do that. And therefore like she's bossy or she's bitchy uh-huh. or like, we don't want to deal with her. And I'm like, that's not, that's not a me thing. That's, <laughs> that's something that's coming up for you. And it's, it's interesting to see that and to, to recognize that in people that I haven't really connected with on the level to, to be like, Hey, let's have this conversation about what's coming up for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> it's generally a good indicator too to lean into for people that whenever you're writing someone off by dismissing them as one or two words, like you're bitchy or you're bossy, that's a good indicator that you are trying to turn them into just like one thing like oh you're just bitchy so i don't have to listen to you it's like that's usually a good indicator that there's something there that actually needs to be seen because it could be like maybe you're bossy but and what else because it wouldn't be so triggering if you were only bossy absolutely like it's it's so interesting just to see like we like to catch and such a very one-sided like this is them therefore like I, I don't want to deal with that 
So I've recognized that as I become more aware of my ability to want to write off people or my like quick judgments towards them, I'm like, okay, awesome. What is it about them? Like, why does that come up? What do I see in myself that I'm not comfortable with? And sometimes I'm not that great. Sometimes it still just pisses me off and I'm like still fucking idiot. Like <laughs> those things still come up for me, but I definitely recognize that now I can be like, hey, I can sh- show compassion for this person that's obviously on a completely different path. That's okay. Like, what is it about them that I could learn from or what is it that they do that I don't want to do and I can learn from that or that they do and I can grow into that kind of personality or behavior or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's such a, it's a critical point of how to become more self-aware is like, can you reflect upon other people? Because it's one thing to be like very self-aware in isolation. Like, oh, I know myself, but like until you know you in relation to other people, you don't really know what you're like because you don't know where your triggers are. You don't know where your core wounds are and you don't know the way people are responding to you, which is important too. You shouldn't base your self-worth off people's responses, but it should be a mirror for you to look at and go, hmm, every single person I run into wants to start a fight with me. Now it's not that the world sucks. Yeah, it's not the world sucks. It (laughs) might be that I am putting out some bad energy. Hmm, what's going on? Yeah, it's definitely important to be able to be aware of those things, but then also have compassion when they come up. Because sometimes those things come up and because we're in isolation, we're like, oh, I can totally deal with this. I've learned about like my triggers and my wounds. And like you have that time to reflect and then you're in the emotion and you're heated and you're having that time where things get triggered. And it's pretty easy for us to be like, just make those internal judgments about ourselves. But when you put that face of compassion for yourself and for that person and the situation that you're in, all of a sudden it seems a little bit easier to be like, okay, I can stop. I can breathe. I'm being triggered. What like, and actually get into that reflection in a way that's helpful and not just reactive. And it's definitely a practice. I have friends who write down every trigger that they deal mm. with in a day if they can't like actually handle it at that moment, so that they can reflect on it later in isolation. And then it makes it easier when they have to deal with it again in person because those triggers they just keep coming up. Like you're just gonna get hit with the same patterns because the universe loves just for things right. to repeat until we learn them. Oh poke <laughs> you having fun yet you want to do this again so yeah if you can take that time and say hey you know what maybe i even can't i'm not ready to deal with it in that moment when it comes up mm. but recognize it write it down be aware of it and then you can take that isolation time to reflect on it so when you come back and you're in the same situation and you get slapped with it again you have a better understanding and awareness and then same thing you take that one step of doing what's uncomfortable and progressively it just gets easier and easier yeah and doing some of the things we we're talking about really earlier of just having a better understanding of yourself having an understanding of your cycles and knowing like i know i'm a shitty person when i'm on three hours of sleep oh you yeah. can say something <laughs> really minor to me and i'm gonna be like yeah fuck that person never need to talk to them again <laughs> when i'm on eight hours of sleep i'm great i'm fucking zen out we're good <laughs> but like having that knowing of yourself and the knowing of your self-care habits to put you in the best spot to win in some of these things because a lot of times it's like yeah if you're at your best you might be able to handle something and we expect ourselves to be at our best at all times and we're not so just a little understanding for yourself too like yeah i was really triggered by something today that seems stupid but also what else was going on go i was in the winter phase and i was on two hours of sleep hmm and there's big steps that you can like there's big steps you can take to understand those and there's also little steps like i know for example like one thing i can do every night is just take a bath and it's such a little tiny thing i take like a two minute bath but just to get myself like grounded in water and just like submerge myself that can be such a an impactful thing on my following day or how i sleep but there's also like big things i can do like i can focus my schedule so that i'm only getting up so i have enough sleep the entire week or that i can accommodate for my menstrual cycle or like there's big things that can do where there's like little baby steps and when you have that understanding it's like this like guidebook of like oh what do I need right now because I'm in this or this is going on or I'm having a difficult conversation or whatever the case may be like you can take those like tiny steps to make things a little bit easier or if you have the extra space and time to be able to do bigger things if you can make it so your whole life is a lot easier. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of baths so fellas out there fucking <laughs> Don't be scared. Take those baths. I think baths are the best. Like I think everyone should have a gigantic bathtub. <laughs> I, I'll take a picture of it after. But this one of the reasons <laughs> we got this house is like fucking giant jacuzzi tub. I'm like this is the thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the fucking baths.
it's just so relaxing and it gives me such a good chance to like decompress but also think shower is often so like get in get out done yeah. and the bathroom is just like oh, okay i can just lay here for a second it's quiet and there's no no one's gonna bother me no one's gonna interrupt me about anything my phone's not over here like okay cool what's going on what's going on in here I find there's some guilt when it comes to having a long shower because you have like a super long hot shower. You're just like, oh, I'm wasting all of this water. Whereas if you mm-hmm. sit in like a nice bath, you can be there until like the water gets cold and it doesn't right. have that same level of guilt. But I've definitely found lots of lots of relaxation in like making myself like a pretty bath, like a mm-hmm. like bath salts and bath bombs and rose petals and oil and just candles and like you can do that and be like, wow, this is beautiful. I'm gonna have like this spa moment with myself where I'm just like, I have five minutes. I will start the bath when I come inside and that's be good to get in and get out and have that moment. That was yesterday. I was, I took a healthy dose of mushrooms during the day <laughs> and went pretty deep. But then on the, on the come down side, I like got into the bath and holy shit. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and what was we had a, a really intense LSD ceremony on New Year's Eve mm. and I ended up leaving everyone at their like where they were and I went back to the condo that I was staying at and same thing like there's a gigantic bathtub and I remember I just laid down and I was like yes everything oh is God. love <laughs> it was <laughs> the most beautiful good. moment it was like 5 a.m and I'm like this is perfect this is exactly what I needed <laughs> <laughs> yeah something about it I don't know it's a, a proxy for the womb or something that it makes it so fucking like so peaceful but absolutely it's the elements right like being with water is mm-hmm. such a powerful thing you need to be able to ground in a certain way and like at least for me like it's cold in canada so i can't necessarily be going out and grounding with the earth so definitely being able to ground with water is a, a powerful thing that i've noticed a big difference with absolutely so if you had to list a few other useful habits or useful self-care or useful practices for self-love what are some that just off the top of your head, you're like, you know what, this has been really impactful for me. So a lot of mine are directed towards women, because of course that's mm. where I found like I, I'm just like trained for all the habits. Um, one of them is tracking every single day, like all of the menstrual type things. So I, I track fluid, I track emotion, I track my emotion in the morning versus mm. my emotion at night. Um, I track how my body changes. So if I have if I'm bloating, if my breasts are enlarged or if they hurt or if I have back pain, like I do a lot of the physical things. And then I also track different triggers of the day. So if there's an emotion that comes up, where did it come from? And I just have this little, like in my journal, I have like a full like day planner mm-hmm. and I just have a little section at the bottom that just has like, oh, what's this? Mm-hmm. And I also track my temperature. So with mm-hmm. tracking your temperature, um, women's temperature raises by about 0.4 degrees, uh, usually 12 hours before they start ovulation. And so then it stays heightened until after their period. And so by tracking that, I can get a better understanding of like what my normal is, as well as then I can understand like when ovulation is, because actually there's only like one day that we're really ovulating, it's just the days leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And so I track that in addition. Um, and one of the practices that I really like to do that helps me with self-love is I actually will do kind of a meditation and it's very simple. I do it in a lot of situations, like when I have a second to pause. Um, and so I'll close my eyes, I'll put my hands in like a little triangle and I'll hold them over my womb space mm. and I'll just kind of ground, get centered, be with my body and I'll do deep breaths, imagining light pouring in from the top of my head down into my womb space, filling it up with light. And then when I exhale, I exhale like all like the anxiety, fears, just moments where I'm like in that space and I usually do six to eight of those breaths. I do it in the bathtub. I do it before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. I do it like before a self-pleasure. Um, because a lot of times when I connect with my body in that way, like it's, it's such a powerful space. And like for women that don't have a womb, um, it's also nice just to like focus on that space itself because there's still energetically, that's still an an important and impactful place to connect with. And so I do that. And also one self-love practice that I think is, it, it seems really simple, but it's really important for women is to like throughout the day, just actually touch your vulva. So like touch your vagina on the outside, like like through your pants, whether you're naked or whatever the case may be, just at different times of the day is like a recognition. Because when it comes to like sexual energy, sexual healing, like just connecting with your body, like we like to have attention and especially that part of our body, our yogis Mm. love to have that attention and it helps bring that intention back to your body where you're like, hey, this is okay. Like I'm Mm. just connecting in that that intention, that moment of just like, for one second, I can just touch myself. I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm good. Right. Like, a little bit of love. Yeah. 
it was really like a simple practice, but I find it sometimes like women don't even touch themselves. Like there are so many women that won't even connect with their bodies in that way. And so if that's just like the first step that you're comfortable doing, like starting there and just like throughout the day, you're like, hey, I'm just gonna just touch myself. That's fine. I'm here. I'm safe. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that there's a few mantras that I've become really comfortable with. So I say, I am home. I am safe. Um, I'm a wild woman. I am love. I love myself. And lots of times I'll just say those on repeat every time I can kind of catch myself in a loop where I'm not connecting with those. And those are mantras that I've found through mostly through psychedelic journeys where I was like, all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, like I am home. Like this body's home. I am here. And so the things that I connected with, so it might be specific to the person, whatever they find that resonates with them. But I found that having those mantras that are like grounding and that breathing and just different ways to like get with my body has been like probably the, the biggest tools that are the most important. Beautiful. On the, on the topic of touching yourself, I think for guys too, one thing I've noticed um, for me has been, <clears throat> and I don't know if women are the same way, but as guys, a lot of us have this mindset of like, when we're masturbating, like get in, get out and just like gone, like, cool. How quick can I get this done? It's very like <laughs> tactical. Um, but what I've noticed a shift for me and is just like spending some time to actually enjoy the act and not just like aiming for the orgasm as quick as possible. It's been a game changer because the form of like spending some time loving parts of my body versus sort of like using them as a means to an end. Absolutely. I imagine the same thing for women of just like spending some (laughs) time, like plan it out, get yourself the space you want, get all the candles lit, whatever fuck you want to do that makes you comfortable, like go deep on it and allow yourself to feel that, not to like rob that experience of its power. Yeah. So the funny thing is women also have the same mindset of like, get in, get done. Like I want, this is good. And like changing that from like an outcome based, even not even just like sex with yourself, but sex with other Mm. people, like changing sex from being outcome based to being about pleasure and about sensation, about the feeling. Cause like sometimes you can't come from internal simulation and that's okay. Right. It's like, how do you like get involved and connect with yourself? So typically like plan self sex date to be like, Hey, I'm going to take an hour and I'm just going to massage my body because that's a form of, that's a form of sex. It doesn't necessarily need to be like masturbation. It doesn't need to be like jerking yourself off. It can be like, hey, I just massaged my breast for an hour. Like that's a form of sex or same thing for guys, like being able to connect with parts of your body that maybe you don't normally touch, like touch your thighs, touch your own butt, like touch your body, like just actually connect with yourself and have that space. Like I know we, we like things to be like, hey, I'm doing this to come, right? So you have that. Um, have that ending have that and insight but even things like edging can be good Mm -hmm. practices for men to connect with your body and you don't necessarily need to have an outcome from it you're like hey I'm gonna get to this point of pleasure and then stop myself and get to this point of pleasure and that can build up that sexual energy so it's more of a practice of connecting with yourself in that way versus like I'm here to have an orgasm and that's all yeah I think that's it's super important I think it's a I'm trying to think where it comes from. I heard, I heard it's like a sex therapist talked about this at one point and I thought it was just really, really interesting. And it sent my mind down the rabbit hole of why we are the way we are. But she was, she was talking about like, Hey, if you put like a hand, like right on a man's inner thigh, it'll help him come like way harder and way easier. Mm. And I was like, that's fucking interesting. Like, why would that be? And I started to reflect and she talked a little bit about it, but it's, some of why I think we have some of these masturbation patterns um, and sexual patterns is from a young age. Like if you're a guy, what a lot of guys do from experience is you just kind of like, especially with porn and computers and typically your family had one computer, you're sort of at the computer and you kind of pull your pants halfway down and they're putting pressure right on that spot where the hand would go. And then you masturbate and you try to finish as quick as possible because like, holy shit, I don't want to get caught. But it from a very young age as a guide it breeds that experience of like get in get out and that's why we're so like you don't have time to just enjoy yourself i'm like i'm gonna spend an hour at this it's like oh shit mom and dad get up in 20 minutes i better fucking go <laughs> i'm in the shower and I don't right. to ah! too long, so. exactly and i think that like we we don't put the same like love and care when we're with ourselves as we do with partners, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we have that, of course there's like that pressure that comes from like being with a partner and pleasing them. But that same level of like wanting to please can be like, I want to please myself mm-hmm. and not in a way that needs to be like shameful. Cause it's just around masturbation. 
like we put that on children from when they're young like it's a shameful thing to touch yourself it's a shameful thing like like oh no girls don't do that or guys don't do that or right. um assuming that all boys are going to masturbate at the computer at the family mm-hmm. house right and we have so much shame around it to begin with that until we start changing that that conversation that cycle we have with ourselves it's going to be difficult to to look at it like a self-love practice versus like i'm just masturbating and that's dirty right and setting could be helpful even for the the few parents out there that are listening and that haven't haven't turned this one off by now that, <laughs> that they like even what would have been useful for me as a kid it's just like to have strong boundaries like hey you never come into my room without knocking absolutely like that's the main fear as a kid you're like fuck <laughs> my room's not a safe place for me to do anything because someone might walk in at any moment it's like oh shit that's true. yeah so. i think when it comes to like parenting one of the one of the big things is like if when you talk to your kids like had talk to both your boys and your girls about like masturbation and talk about talk about periods like I think it's so important for a young boy to know what a period is and not even just to be like hey this is gonna happen but be like if you see a girl with blood on the back of her pants like give her your sweater like cover herself up right. like be able to like help out that girl instead of being like that was gross and what happened and talking about it with your friends like like having those conversations like they're gonna be uncomfortable as a parent for sure be like hey Sometimes you might want to touch yourself or rub yourself against things mm-hmm. and that's okay. So it's having those open conversations like about the sexual habits that like the parents have, right? Like if you're, if you have children, like it's okay for you to have sex and then your children like don't, this, don't necessarily need to know about it, but you need to be like, Hey, this is the thing mommy and daddy do. Right. Yeah. Taking that stigma and the shame away from it, I think is just, it's so important and we're getting there, but it is it is woefully underrepresented, especially with parents to children of just like, because I think so many of our dysfunctions stem from this like unwillingness to talk about it. And like, you're a little boy or a little girl and you have no idea what the fuck's going on with your body. You just know that you're horny. (laughs) It's like, okay, uh uh-oh, what do I do with this? It's like just a little bit of guidance goes a long way of like, hey, this is normal. You don't need to feel bad about it. Just use good boundaries and ask for consent. Like, okay, cool, <laughs> great. That's the, that's the playbook I needed. I think that might be there's also just still shame with like the parents. Like if they haven't mm-hmm. healed their own trauma, then being able to have that conversation with a child is going to be probably the, the last thing you're going to want to do because if that's something that you have shame with, then you associate shame with them and that same thing. And especially if there's not the awareness around it too, like that can be a difficult conversation. You're like, we're not going to fucking talk about that ever. Absolutely. <laughs> people don't, so... Awesome. Well, we're getting close to the end here. Is there anything that you want as some closing thoughts or also where can people find you? What's your Instagram or where's best place to connect with you? Absolutely. So my Instagram is at Brooklyn Willer. Uh, my website is at brooklynwillers.com and I do have a blog and my ebook is on there as well. Um, I think in terms of closing thoughts, it's just like, get vulnerable, like have those conversations with people, like especially when it comes to partnerships, like ask questions, get curious, like express your feelings, express like times when you're feeling uh, compassion, times when you need space, like be able to, to recognize that in yourself, be aware of it, share it with other people and know that when you create the space in yourself to have that boundary and to set those, um, set those like boundaries around your containers, then other people in your life will feel safe to do the same. And like, for example, you and I have in this conversation, it then makes it safer for someone else to have a similar conversation or to be like, hey, this sparked something in my life that now I can talk to this person or like just starting those little, they're like little boulders that start landslides, right? Every time you have those conversations or you express something that might be a little bit scary, like there's blogs that I post where I'm like, oh shit, that was, mm-hmm. that was too much. And then there's one person that that impacts and that impacts every person in their life. And recognize that like those little bits of like trauma that we can heal and that time where you feel in your body or you feel safe or you feel connected like that makes it easier to heal everyone else around you it's just such a big little step that you can take that can make a big impact for everyone else around yeah it's perfect way to end i i think a useful reframe for people too as a last thought here is just that expressing your vulnerability and expressing your truth is a filter and you're going to filter in the type of relationships you want and you're going to filter out the relationships you didn't want in the first place. Um, but just using that little flip of the mindset changes it from like a win-loss game to like, oh, this is how I'm actively choosing the best people to be around. Because if, if you open up about sexuality to one of your friends and they're like, no, that's fucking gross. I don't want to talk about that. 
cool. All right. Now I know that that person is not going to be open and vulnerable about fucking other things. So I can not talk to them anymore. Like it's an easy way to realize who, who is a good person to associate with and not. So, all right, Brooklyn, thank you for being on. I will put the details of your ebook and your website and your Instagram in the show notes. So people can check for it there if they want. Um, other than that, I just want to thank you for being on. Thank you for bringing your vulnerability and bringing your light to the world. It's much appreciated. And yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. And that just about does it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I found a ton of what Brooklyn was talking about to be super, super useful and actionable advice. I especially loved the concept of the four distinct seasons of the menstrual cycle. That was a really, really easy way to remember it and to understand how a woman's period actually functions. If you did enjoy this episode, you can find Brooklyn at her website, which is www.brooklynwillerth.com, or on Instagram at brooklynwillerth, and go check out her ebook, the title of which is in the notes here and you can find a link to it it is understanding her moon and tides and again the link to that is in the show notes here so you'll just be able to see that if you click details on the show as always if you don't already follow me on instagram you can find me at alexander diesel and that is a good way to keep up with all of the content that i put out as well as know when new podcasts come out and of course if you enjoyed the show share it with a friend hit that five star rating leave a review if you feel so inclined other than that i will talk to you soon and catch you on the next episode